welcome to the Girls Rising podcast, where we speak with amazing, empowered women about how they became game changers. On today's podcast, Kathy Henderson, Antigone Rising's lead guitar player by night, roving podcaster by day, spends some time with Marla Kaplowitz. Although soon leaving to become president and CEO of the American Association of Advertising Agencies, also known as the four A's, since 2011, Marla has been the CEO of MEC North America, which is the fifth largest media agency network in the world. So listen along as this titan of industry shares some laughs, experience, and golden nuggets of hard-earned wisdom, such as focus not only on where you are in the moment, but where you want to go. I'm not worried. (laughs) Right. You don't care. So Marla Kaplowitz, so happy to be able to sit down and talk with you. I'm so happy to have a chat with you, Kathy. Yes. So you are a, a woman CEO Few and far between that, you know, we need more of them. So Marla is the CEO of MEC North America. MEC is part of one of the largest agency, media agency networks in the world. And you're also moving on soon to be president and CEO of the four A's. Yes. So how The American Association of Advertising Agencies. So taking my love of agency life and putting that forth through the industry. So you're just going to be CEO all over the place here. (laughs) It's great. Trying. It's great. So part of what we do at Girls Rising is we want to create visibility for girls and women, and really everybody, um, into the lives of those women who have kind of broken gender boundaries, um, especially in the workplace, right? So... So in whether it's an industry or sector or whether it's just leadership roles or C-suite and CEOs, um, we want to give visibility to that because we have found in our travels in the music industry, um, we get very canned into being a girl band. You don't hear them calling the Rolling Stones a boy band. No, you don't. So, you know, so we started to see that there's a real need for that as we traveled abroad, as I told you. Well, I like the mission of Girls Rising also is like, if you can see it, you can be it. That's and right. And that's so important because it's one thing to focus on diversity, whether that's gender, race, thought at a young level. But if you have entry-level people coming in and they don't see that replicated at the top, it doesn't show them a path to get there. And so it's important to deal with it at the top as well as that entry level. Absolutely. So that brings me to what drove you? Did you see it or did you just have it in you? What, when you were little, is that what you wanted to be, a CEO? Or no, what was your... I wanted to be a lawyer. You did? So I'm the really? oldest of four, and I grew up in a very traditional household where I had a very macho father, so macho that that was the name of his first dog. Uh, my <laughs> mother was a housewife who volunteered at the school, but I had a grandmother who had her own business at one point and was a very independent woman. She was a widow by the time I was born. And I, so I had a strong female figure there and my mother was, and father were very encouraging. So I was only treated like a girl when it came to curfew time. Other than that, I had a brother who was a year younger than me, who was very competitive with me. I learned how to deal with men at a young age, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I also learned that there's a part of you, it's just in you. So I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I got to college and said, I don't want to go to school another three years after this. (laughs) And I started thinking about what was I interested in, and I started gravitating to advertising. And once I decided on advertising, I thought, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I go to school in Santa Barbara. I want to go to New York 
the heart of advertising. And I'll go for a few years, and then I'll move back to California. Yeah, that quite didn't work out, and I'm still living in New York City. And I love it, and it's been great. And I never really thought of myself as a woman in advertising. I was an ambitious, young, curious person who wanted to get into advertising, who wanted to get into media and media planning. And I was very lucky that I got a lot of advantages early on. And some people say it's not about luck, it's what you do. But I worked very hard and mm-hmm. I was very focused, uh, probably too focused in my 20s on just my career. But I was. I was incredibly uh, interested in learning more and getting exposure to things. And people would tell me, if you want to make more money, go to another agency, you'll get a little bit more. And I stayed at my first company eight and a half years because I thought it was more important to get the experience and Mm -hmm. the opportunities and that the money would always come. And when the opportunity to leave after eight and a half years, I recognized that I needed to move on and I did that. But I've always stayed at companies a fair amount of time and made sure that I've had those growth opportunities. And it's important to speak up and make sure that you're clear about what you want. And I was taught early on that you should always start acting like the job you want and start taking on some of those tasks and show people that you can do it. And to pitch for jobs, even if you don't think you're quite ready to demonstrate your interest, that is so important. Important. Mm-hmm. So I actually used to tell people, you started this with, did you always want to be a CEO? I used to actually tell people I didn't want to be a CEO or have that title because in my view, that was the one throat to choke. What did you do after that job? And there wasn't as much job security in that. That's interesting. Because I, and again, you're Younger childhood always influences you later. So I was 15 when my father died, and I saw that the financial picture changed in my house. Mm -hmm. I saw that my father never thought he'd die at a young age, and I never wanted to be in that situation that my mother was in Mm -hmm. or that we were in. And so I wanted my own independence to have money to support myself, to take care of whoever I needed to, and to make sure that I was never caught up in that. So to me... I would never go take a role like that because, again, what, what do you do after you have that title? You get another um, one. <laughs> you, or you, you figure it out. Yeah. So I have learned as I grow older that you just got to FIO, figure it out. <laughs> That's and great. you have to be open to those possibilities. So I, when I was at my previous agency, told people that. And then I came to MEC six years ago. And I remember I was told at the time by the previous CEO you know, I'm going to stay on another three years and then maybe you'll be CEO. And I said, well, that's nice to know, but let's just focus on me mm-hmm. being this president role. And seven months in, I had the opportunity to take on the CEO role. And I initially said no because my boys were nine and 10 at the time. And I think my excuse was, well, they still get excited when I come home at night and see me. And I didn't want to miss out on things. Although I'd been in a big role and I had always traveled when I was in New York. I always made sure to get home and to be present with them. Mm -hmm. And I was told, you might have more travel, but your weekends need to be precious. And my boss at the time, Charles Cordier, said, I support you and we will support you. And he did. And it was the best decision I ever made. And I sort of look back and think, why was I afraid to do this? And so there's another little lesson in there, like the bigger the risk the more you learn. And so you kind of have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is kind of a common phrase, but there's real meaning behind that. Because I know. So it's the only way you... 
But it, it turned out to be such a great decision because what I realized when you have a title like CEO is that you get to take all those great ideas you have and you don't just get to tell people about them and hope they get implemented. You kind of get to experiment and implement them. And they may not all work, but you get to own those decisions and you get to own those risks and you get to own the successes as well as the failures. But it was that job that for the first time in my life made me feel like not just a leader, but a female leader because I recognized that there were young women in the organization, as well as on the client side, clients that we worked with, who were happy to see a woman in the role and that that was different. And I had come from an organization that was very female heavy at the top. It was, it was not unusual. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was interesting to see that. And I recognized I had to lean into that a little bit more. And I am always someone who will coach or mentor someone and it typically tends to be more women, although I will coach and mentor men as well. But women really lean into that. They want that insight and that support. And I am happy to give that to them. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. It's part of that see it and believe it kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like, oh, my God, I can actually relate. Like, there are women doing this. You know, it's interesting that you kind of, uh, for us, when we, you know, set out to play and be a band, we didn't think of ourselves as a girl band. Yeah. We didn't think of ourselves as any less than the guys out there. We didn't try to strive, you know, we strived to be, you know, the best we could be. And it wasn't all, it wasn't until we'd start to play out in bigger venues or once we got signed, we started to hit obstacles where we were being categorized as a female band. It was it was almost a genre of music, right? So for to get airplay, they would be like, oh well. We're already spinning Cheryl Crow, so we can't add you to it. It's like, well, you know, so it was like we're on genre. You know, there's yeah. rock, there's country, there's girls. There's Lilith there. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, like, what were some of the obstacles that maybe you ran into kind of on your way up? So I don't think I paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was probably more brash in my 20s than I was even later on because, I, like I said, I was incredibly ambitious and I was raised by my mom. My father was the one who would say to me, you have to be the best that you can be and to really work very hard. So that work ethic was instilled in me at a very young age. And so as I think about it, I was actually, I was supported by men and women as I was coming up. And I always tell people that you can learn something good or bad from every single person that you work with. So my leadership style has really evolved from taking little pieces from each person that I've worked with. And even the most challenging of people I've worked with, there's always something there that you can learn. And I think that that is so important. So I would say the only barriers or obstacles that I view that I hit were self-induced by my own kind of imposter syndrome saying, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this or that's going to impact something else, or that makes me a little uncomfortable. Uh, So it's always been more Mm self-induced, and I've never walked into a room where I'm the only woman and there's a room full of men and it's made me nervous or uncomfortable or it makes me act different. I just feel like I'm there for a reason, and I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I I may be a little bit of a chameleon going in and recognizing who those individuals are, but I don't say, oh, that's a man, therefore I need to behave like this. Right. 
I totally understand that. But there should be more women at that table, not just you. There should be more women at the table because I also really believe in what I would view as whole brain thinking yep. and that diversity of thought. And the only way you get diversity of thought is if you have a mix of gender experiences. So that can be your background, whether it's where you grew up, your ethnic background, your socioeconomic background. It's all of those experiences. And all of that make up that diversity and that thinking. And if you have people that are all the same, it's, it's, you're going to get the same answer. So that is part of the challenge in hiring is we tend to hire people we know or that are like us because we connect with them. And you have to go really deep to understand how do I find someone who's different? Mm -hmm. And I always like having people who are different around me who push me. So I want people around me because I'm confident enough that I want someone who's stronger than me in many areas because they're going to complement what I'm good at, but they're going to also kind of fill in those kind of weaker areas or opportunity areas. Exactly. It's an opportunity to grow. Yeah, for if sure. If you can't be insecure about it because there are people who are. It makes you better. And I learned that as a young kid playing tennis, and my parents would say, you always want to play someone better than you because it's going to push you to be better and improve your game. I know it's true. Although, you know, maybe you want to play one game with somebody worse. Yeah, especially because I wasn't a very good player. I was not the big athlete <laughs> right. growing up. So tennis didn't work out for you. <laughs> a casual sport. Yeah, you know, just on the side. Um, so was there any one person or event or something that kind of inspired you? Um, so when people have asked me who my mentor is, mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever had someone who was a formal mentor, but I was a media planner. I was 24 years old, so I'd probably been working for just a couple years. And there was a woman I worked with who was my direct supervisor, and she was always so supportive of me and so encouraging. And I remember I was working on Crest toothpaste. Mm. And I had this idea that the target for paste was different than gel. And that rather than having sort of a one size fits all, we should target younger people with a gel message and older people with a paste message. It was kind of the early days of targeting differently, which is obviously so common these days. And I remember going to her and giving her my thinking and my rationale. And she said, I agree. That's great. We'll go and present it to the marketing director because the clients were coming in and I was going to present to them. And she said, I don't think they're going to buy it, but you know, I'm going to let you present it. And I'm and, and it was a lot for someone at my level to present to a marketing director. And she supported me and she let me do it. And it actually was sold and they went forward. And it was just great that she was honest about her point of view, didn't agree or didn't think it would happen, but still supported me. Mm -hmm. And that meant a lot. And so when I think about like an early influencer, she is always that person that I come back to. And she left the industry shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And so I, I missed that ongoing influence. But again, I always reflect positively on that. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. That's allowing you and your ideas to come forth. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of people that you want to like stick with. Absolutely. Those are the types of people that stick out in your yeah. mind. You know, it's, 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 it's so important, and it's so important to be able to do that for others. It is, and I will tell you that I have such a good feeling when I help someone else. It's fantastic when you see someone who's moving along, 
I still keep in touch with so many people that I've worked with before Mm -hmm. and just knowing that I got to work with that person Mm -hmm. and see them continue on in their professional journey is, it's wonderful for me. It really is. How long have you been in the ad industry? Going on 30 years. Oh my God, really? This summer. You look like you're 30. You're so sweet. (laughs) The lighting in here must be very good today. Must be. This nice corner office. That or the stress has been good for my skin, right? It's all good, right? You need a good amount of stress. You do. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess. A little bit. Keeps you going, right? Absolutely. moving. (laughs) All right. So last, last but not least... And you've given some great tips already, but what what are like the top two or three tips you can give young girls starting out in the ad industry or any industry um, to be the best that they can be? So I would focus not only on where you are in that moment, but where you want to go. And whenever, whatever role you're in, think about what you can learn in that current role, but also think about where do you want to go one, two, three years out and what do you need to learn to get there? That could be in your current company. It could be in another company or it could be in a totally different industry, but always kind of have an eye on how do I make the most of that current experience? And again, focus on the experience more than the money. I know that's easier said than done sometimes, (laughs) But the people that you work with, too. Make sure you're working with people who are going to work with you and help you grow and develop your talents. That is so critical. I agree. And I think it's important to be able to voice that. You know, because a lot of times, especially at the, at the lower levels, you know, they feel very trapped and they feel afraid to kind of voice um, issues that they're having with a, with a boss or something. But that's like another that. great point. You have to find your voice. And I always tell mm-hmm. people, you have to be your own advocate because no one else will support you unless you're pushing for yourself. And it's the same when you're asking for money or asking about an opportunity. And it, it's not about being obnoxious, but it's about looking out for you and making sure that you're getting those opportunities. Yeah, that's great advice right there. You have to be your own advocate mm-hmm. and then find those people that will support you. Find those supporters. Could be mentor, but supporters. And they are out there and they do want to help you and not just be competitive. Exactly. Right? They want to make sure that you're growing and learning. Awesome, Marla. Thank you so much Thank for sitting you. with me on this so Friday. Great. Girls Rising is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. To find out more, donate, or volunteer, visit us at girlsrising.org.